0: Welcome to In The Aisles, the movie and TV podcast that will not take the knee because if we did, the microphone wouldn't be able to pick up the sound too too far away.
1: Doesn't mean we don't support the cause.
0: Yeah, did you see the match? Which one? Dunno. (laughs) This week we'll talk about the new content we've been watching. We'll have a 2020 Hindsight Vintage review of 2002's Reign of Fire, starring Christian Bale and Matthew McConaughey, and our main review is The Tomorrow War on Amazon Prime, starring Chris Pratt. James, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Had a rocky moment in my uh, marriage when my wife... My wife? Got it this time. She said, bring me my toothbrush with toothpaste, pre-attached, which I often do. I took my toothbrush... By accident, and she brushed her teeth with my toothbrush, and she was horrified. The scream that she let out from the other room when she realised was horrific, I thought she'd hurt herself. (laughs) She was not happy, not happy. And what made it even worse is it's not the first time that I've done that, and it was an accident both times, so I didn't learn my lesson.
1: This is is a film and TV podcast, but but there is a lot to dig into here. What do you mean you frequently provide... A toothbrush, a toothbrush toothbrush with toothpaste pre-attached. Why do you, I'm not making a judgment call on your wife, but why does she, why do you do this?
0: (laughs) She's in the living room and she always brushes her teeth in the living room. So if she's already down on the sofa and I'm up getting ready for bed, she'll say, oh, can you bring me my toothbrush and floss and a mirror? The brushing of teeth happens in the living room and it goes on for 20 minutes.
1: The brushing of teeth goes on. Yeah, 20
0: minutes toothbrush.
1: So much to explore. Th- bring this up again, because <laughs> I'm not quite understanding. Um, everyone's different. Like I said, not not judging anyone, but um, that this is odd.
0: It's like bringing someone a cup of tea, except you're bringing them the toothbrush with toothpaste on it.
1: That's the problem. It's a toothbrush. It's, bringing somebody a cup of tea is normal. This is not normal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. email in the podcast at gmail.com or drop a comment on our instagram
1: it's it could be the equivalent of somebody providing an ice cream to somebody who's already in a bath i suppose okay
0: not sure if i follow that how how are you
1: I, i'm okay um we, we've spoke frequently about trips out in this new world that we live in where we can go and do as we please. We, we can visit establishments because they're open again. I went to a local weatherspoons That's my own fault. We ordered a f- meal, um, meal arrived, and I thought I'll go in and get myself some sauces and a uh, few, few other bits and bobs. Oh, um, no salt. Um, excuse me, have, have you any salt? No, we've no salt. What, you've, you've no salt? Okay. Okay. Ask someone else. Excuse me, there's no salt, is there? No, we've no salt. No other option provided no salt. So I had to have a saltless meal. You can't have chips without salt. It's impossible. It is impossible. And I'm flabbergasted at the fact that somewhere like that can still provide food to people and not give the option of providing salt. You're not telling me that kitchen didn't have salt.
0: So no salt on the tables, no sachets in the sauce sachet corner, nothing.
1: Nothing. Absolutely. Naffol.
0: That is is wild. That is the nanny state run wild trying to force us to stop eating salt. It's my choice. It's my heart. Exactly.
1: And I I will read, I left a Google review, um, so incensed by this, so I'll read it to you. Um, Posted it as Ted Berryfield because I didn't feel comfortable um, using my own name. I'm quite local, so. No salt. Full stop. Need I say more? What sort of establishment has no salt? And across the road from a co-op too, put your hand in your pocket and buy some ink salt. Chips minus salt equals pointless. We'll be visiting again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Enraged.
1: Anyway, James, what have you been watching this week?
0: I'll start off dark and then lighten the mood. Number one: Epstein Shadow: Gillaine Maxwell on Sky, which is a three-part documentary about Gillaine Maxwell, allegedly, allegedly, Jeffrey Epstein's uh, prostitution pedophile ring accomplice first thing to note is that there was a documentary on netflix last year called filthy rich about jeffrey epstein we both talked about it it's very good this does cover a lot of the same ground especially in episode two so it goes over epstein moving from new york to miami the arrest the footage of when they search the house and show the the computers without the hard drives what this documentary focuses on as you can guess from the title is gillaine maxwell and what were her origins from the media boss, Robert Maxwell? Which she's his daughter. And how did she meet Epstein? What kind of social circles was she in before she get involved with Jeffrey Epstein? And after that, episode two, it's Filthy Rich just squeezed into 50 minutes. They even have the authors of Filthy Rich interviewed. Then in the third episode is where you get the new stuff, which focuses on Ghislaine Maxwell. What's happened since... Jeffrey Epstein killed himself. Yeah, right. They have Lady Victoria Harvey, 90s it girl from the UK, come out and say, I don't think Epstein killed himself. And they address that issue of how it's very conspiracy theory territory and talk about how Robert Maxwell, Gillian's father, he died in suspicious circumstances and links it all together nicely there and talks about, okay, well now Gillian Maxwell is the focus. What is she doing? And it talks about her charitable endeavours to try to rebrand herself after Epstein was first convicted I think and they talk about this ocean charity that she did which is the lamest charity ever it's just I love the ocean pledge and that's it and there's no evidence that this charity ever actually did anything which I didn't know which is information so I would recommend it it doesn't go too much into the awful horrific detail that you see in Filthy Rich it focuses on Ghislaine Maxwell so if you're interested in the topic i definitely recommend it very good
1: how deeply does it delve into the Robert Maxwell stuff because he was quite a shady character and I'll be honest other than being shady I don't know a lot about him so
0: it's the first half of the first episode that it talks about him a lot so it talks about her childhood and the focuses on Robert Maxwell about how he was a powerful newspaper owning guy he had a reputation as a bully. They have archive footage of him shouting at people, doing salty interviews, and they talk about his suspicious death. And then they show Ghislaine Maxwell do the statement on the boat, which is all before Epstein. So that's all interesting. So that's about the first half of the first episode we hear about Maxwell. And I knew nothing, so it was good to have that background.
1: Yeah. You said salty interviews though. I don't know whether you've just said that on purpose to annoy me because of my experiences this week or... I circumstantial. did. Yeah. Okay. Rubbing salt in the wound. James, what else have you been watching?
0: On Netflix, there is a brand new film called Rurouni Kenshin, The Final, which is the fourth part of a series of Rurouni Kenshin films. All four films are on Netflix, one, two, and three, and The Final. So I'm covering this under the bracket of new Netflix film, new content. But we have watched all four this week. The story is, before the events of the film, I'm going to butcher this history. I know I will, I apologize. There was a conflict in Japan between the Shogunate government and the Meiji, what was to be the Meiji government. They had a fight, the Meiji government won, they took power. And then after that, in the late 19th century, you had the modernization of Japan that you also see in The Last Samurai. During that war, this Kenshin guy, he fought for the side of the Meiji government. So that's the setup for the film. Each film follows the same structure, but I'll just talk a little bit about the first one if you want to jump in at the start. So Kenshin is wandering around. He's trying to be peaceful, trying to live a peaceful life. But someone that he defeated in the final battle of the Civil War returns and he's on a rampage. And there is a faction of... Oh, opioid, opium dealers, basically. So these drug dealers hire the guy that's on a rampage. They cause a bit of chaos in the local region and Kenshin gets drawn in. He realises that he has a connection to what's going on and he decides, I have to step up, take down this opioid crew and defeat the ghost from my past. The gimmick of the character is that he has a back blade. So the front side of his katana isn't sharp he just hits people with it and doesn't kill them he's he's said he will never kill anyone ever again but the reverse side is sharp so it makes for some nice combat scenes where he's just whacking people with these sort with the sword and each each film has a similar structure where someone a villain turns up i'm i'm bad and then it all builds to a really amazing fight scenes at the end and it'll often intercut between one or two or three different mini fights that are going on
1: getting whacked consistency across the board okay
0: yeah and in each film what you get is the ghost of Kenshin's past coming out and saying i'm going to take revenge on you for this so i was there for this battle and this happened and i want to do this and i was on the side of the shogunate ninjas and i'm going to fight you now because the war isn't over each film has that kind of story it's a samurai action film that's based on a manga so you get a very colorful slightly over the top almost superhero like characters like someone that wears very tight leather and has claws and someone that will have like two swords in each hand or a really tall guy with a really long sword and things like that, but it's not too ridiculously over the top. And Kenshin himself, he can run really fast and, and jump a lot. So there's a lot of really cool stunts, wire work, amazing sword combat, every single character in the film It's totally believable relatable has a nice arc from the lead to his like supporting cast even the villains have all interesting backstories that introduce you to different villains in each film it's such a rich world that you get exposed to throughout the four films and even though I was shaky on the history I still am obviously from that horrible explanation of the history but you don't really need that to understand what's going on all you need to know is there was a war in in the past and these two sides the remnants of these two sides still linger and conflicts go on it's so cool it's so damn cool four films that i've watched this week in this series binged And it was absolutely fantastic. And I'm I'm a fan of the series. And the quality does not dip. It's the same director for all four films. It's the same source material. It's all coming from the manga. And the ratings are consistent throughout if you look on IMDb. So I really strongly very much recommend this series. Say its name again. Rurouni Kenshin. R-U-R-O-U-N-I-K-E-N-S-H-I
1: very good irrelevant to most listeners but what time period i don't mean the actual film series itself but when did they start this when did they finish
0: started in 2012 then two more in 2014 then the most recent one is 2021 which is the current year there's a fifth one also out this year but it's a prequel so i'm not too worried about that very good daniel what have you been watching
1: We didn't pre-plan this, but I also watched a crime documentary, true crime documentary this week. I watched Murder by the Coast, which is a... Oh, no. Yes, no, it's set in Spain. I thought I was going to forget the country. It's fine. Um, So it's a true crime story, something that happened in Spain. Obviously, Netflix has done this quite a few times. There was a French true crime documentary that I liked a few years ago. I've forgotten the name of it, so it's irrelevant bringing it up. What I like about this is rather than just going on constantly and just exploring every single detail of this case, it nicely compacts it into an hour and 25 minutes runtime. So if you want a bit of a true crime fix, you're not going to have to commit seven hours to this. It's a nice breezy, you're in, you're out, done. Um, essentially, the story is a girl gets murdered in the late 90s. No, that's completely false. It's the early 2000s. She's murdered. Somebody gets convicted of the crime and then a number of years after that, another murder takes place and then that throws everything into question. Is this woman actually guilty? Has she been wrongfully convicted? Yada, yada, yada. Very difficult for me to talk about in any more detail because again, as I've said many times before, understanding what transpires throughout this case is part of the joy of it not for the people involved they've had a very hard time but i would definitely recommend this it's as i say around an 20 minutes very very quick to watch if you don't mind subtitles this goes in some directions that i was not expecting it also brings it back to the uk for reasons that will remain unnamed and it features do you know the guy i'm going to forget his name but the I think he's called Nick something. He presented Crime Watch in the UK for almost its entire runtime. He features in this. I wasn't expecting that. Um, it's
0: not Nick Robinson, is it?
1: I think it is. I think it is Nick Robinson.
0: Crime Watch, did you say? Yeah, it's
1: not Nick, is it?
0: Nick Ross.
1: So, see, you were, you were almost there. Uh...
0: Mm. Nick Ross, CBE. I apologize. Is that on Netflix? It is, yes.
1: Murder by the Coast.
0: What else have you been watching?
1: Next one. I have been meaning to check this out for ages and it is elite on Netflix. Yet again, the dominating in my life. We're staying in the same territory. It's Spain. Once again, Spanish language series, and it's now in its fourth season. It's like, Ooh, how do I explain? It's like skins mixed with mean girls and en- encompassing a bit of sex education too but minus the laughs completely it's like a teenage coming of drama type thing but it's it is dark in a lot of its themes and and topics that it dives into so the basic plot in the first series is you've got the collapse of a public high school and then there's this prestigious private school which three of the people who lost out because they've no high school anymore they get scholarships to attend this private school and that arrival of these three students is met with some real trepidation by everyone around them all these hoity-toity students they just don't appreciate the disruption and it unravels into this story of sex drugs murder it's really good I I love every single episode of this so far one of the things that I'm really struggling with is it's I wouldn't say it's explicit in terms of the sex but these are people portraying 16 year old high school characters and the sex scenes in abundance. And it does leave you a bit moralistically like, how should I really be feeling about this? Because she's very good looking. She's not 16 um, in real life. So it's fine. But still, um, yeah, that had me a bit like, mm, this is weird. It discovers... Things such as homophobia and racism, because it's quite prevalent throughout the school. And I really liked how it didn't shy away from bringing those things up and exploring them. Four seasons, I couldn't be happier. I'm I'm done with season one now. I think I'm two episodes into season two. And I'm just thinking, oh, my God, I've got so much to binge uh, in front of me. And I'm very excited about it because it, it does not disappoint. It's not a surprise that this has been a huge Netflix hit.
0: It is in the Netflix top 10 in the UK. So it is a hit officially
1: is indeed is indeed so we discuss the latest and arguably greatest content that's available. why don't we take a trip down movie memory lane james as we discuss 2002's reign of
0: fire oh, 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 oh. She she want some groundhog Day, some Glen, Gary, ross a little Lolita definitely set this podcast IMD, off right. I am deep. I am deep. I am deep. I am deep. I IMD, am deep. Oh, oh yeah. Well well well. She, she said she wants some war of the world, some road some starter for ten. We definitely set this podcast IMD, off right. I am deep. Yes it will. It will. It will. will. I am deep. I am deep. Oh yes it
1: will. Well you know what, well well well. A brood of fire-breathing dragons emerges from the Earth and begins setting everything ablaze, establishing dominance of the planet. James, before we delve in, what is the reason that we picked this this week?
0: This week's main review is The Tomorrow War, which is about an invading CGI monster force and the fight that goes on against them. And Reign of Fire is similar to that. CGI dragons... Take over the earth and the remnants of humanity. Fight back against them.
1: So thematically very similar, and hence why we're pitting them. No, we're not pitting them against each other, but, you know, let's just weigh it up. How, how does this film look now, and how does it compare to the Tomorrow War? So, James, what did you think of this? Had you seen it previously, back when it was released?
0: I'd seen it previously, and I remember really thinking this was okay and liking it. I can't say that I was a fan of Christian Bale at the time because I was probably too young to have watched American Psycho. I'm not sure. I distinctly remember watching Equilibrium and knowing then that I was a Christian Bale fan. Rain of Fire came out in the summer of the same year. Equilibrium came out in December. So, yes, I did like it. I've seen it again since and I still liked it then. But that was a very long time ago. Had you seen this before?
1: Never. I remember the poster and have fleeting memories of the trailer. But for some reason, this completely passed me by. I never watched it. So this is quite interesting coming in raw without having seen it before.
0: A lot of people didn't watch it. It flopped at the box office and Christian Bale and Matthew McConaughey were not the stars they are now.
1: Interesting as well. You pointed out um, probably weren't a Christian Bale fan. At this point, I always thought he really bulked up for Batman, but he is—he is a monster of a man in this. He's ripped, isn't he? And this He's was ripped. like three years previous, so I'm—I'm I'm wrong in thinking that.
0: Yeah, and he—well, he was ripped, but in a more toned way for American Psycho, which was '99, I think. Mm. Apparently, you've led nicely into a back behind into a behind-the-scenes titbit. Christian Bale showed up onto the set thinking oh i'll be thin because people are starving in the apocalypse but when he saw matthew mcconaughey was bulked up christian bale just decided i'll bulk up as well then (laughs) well i went off and bulked up so that's why you see christian bale's body the way it is in this because he wanted to match matthew mcconaughey's body there you go but what did you think that do you think this
1: holds up as a film
0: yes i think it holds up this is a tightly structured sci-fi adventure apocalypse film it's only one hour and forty minutes and it takes you through the story breezily enough. The first post, which is lots and lots of dragons breathing fire on London with helicopters all fighting them, that never happens. Yeah. And that's what I think I'd forgotten from not watching it for so long. That it's it's a smaller story, but I think it still works. Starts off introducing Christian Bale in his castle with his community of people and I liked all the stuff where they were acting out Star Wars for the young children who've only been born since the dragon takeover and and the farming and the practical side of surviving in the apocalypse was all thought out I really like seeing that kind of stuff and then Matthew McConaughey's introduction in the first act is nice and then from there it just all moves quite quickly you get your action scenes with the dragons to establish them building a bit of trust, and then everything builds nicely enough, quickly enough to the finale. So I thought it held up, and now we all love Christian Bale. He's great to watch, and this is before the McConaissance. So going back now, with an appreciation of Christian Bale and Matthew McConaughey, you can really enjoy watching it, really enjoy watching both of them on screen go at it with each other.
1: Do you feel like he was channeling the the character that he ends up playing in The Prestigious? They they feel... I think it's just the accent, really, but it's almost identical. Did you notice that? Christian Bale, I should say, obviously.
0: I didn't notice that. I did think it was just the accent. He was doing his normal... Yeah. ...accent.
1: I'm, I'm nitpicking.
0: What did you think? Is this an embarrassing, old, terrible film, or did you enjoy it on your first watch?
1: It's definitely not embarrassing... And I'm surprised that it's not met with with much fandom, really, because it's it's a perfectly solid film. It's it's quite good. And now what I did like, and we'll come on to this with the tomorrow war, but it uses the dragons sparingly, they're not in every scene, and that kind of helped with the impact when they do arrive. It lands a bit more. Um, and for what it's worth, I don't think it's completely hundred percent great, but the CGI sort of holds up it's not the dragons that are the problem it's the fire which looks a bit ropey at times but it's all forgivable it's not bad at all and it did have a bit of a nowhere near in the same caliber by the way but it had a mad maxi kind of vibe with this post-apocalyptic sort of stuff it was all very well realized but i feel as though they did some really good setup with the world building but it kind of gets abandoned around halfway through. But again, all forgivable. I think this is a perfectly fine film. And I think if you give it a go and you've never seen it before, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised as to how it holds up.
0: Yeah, just to pick up on two things. The CGI, I agree. I think it holds up well enough. I did have a little bit of a look at other things that have been said recently about it that said, oh, the CGI doesn't hold up. But it does, and it it does. And I think it's because of how it's done. You don't get many full daylight shots of the dragons and it's by necessity that it uses it sparingly and it builds the tension second thing i want to pick up on it builds the tension really well by not showing them very much they talk about them so much and then when they actually appear it's it's terrifying and then in the first two times they appear you don't see them that much so that works really well
1: and essentially a story about bringing down an absolute top shagger of a dragon because he's just been busy impregnating loads of female dragons just ac- across the globe. What an absolute yeah. class guy.
0: A womanizer. Yeah. That is where I think it doesn't deliver on the initial premise of Dragon War. It's a dragon war. They have three dragon fights, and each time it's against one dragon. Then in the end, it's a deus ex machina, a bit of Latin. Kill this one dragon and then all the others will, will die off or they'll all give up and disappear and there's only one male in the world, so they kill one. And here, yeah. have this one explosive arrow that we've made. Why do they only have one explosive arrow? Give, have lots of explosive arrows so you can take your chances.
1: <laughs> the, there's one thing, actually, I wanted to pick your brain about because I don't know if I'm accurate in saying this. The opening five minutes, which is before everything goes to shit... It's set in England, right? Why is everyone Australian? Did you notice that?
0: No, I thought they were just Cockney. All right, son, come on. Hey, where's where's your mum? Hey, come in in a, in a taxi. Let's have let's go to work. Hey, eh? no. Cockney. I thought it was very it was very Cockney. It was definitely like, wasn't. This is in England. <clears throat> Look, everyone's in in London.
1: Watch it back because it's all. Good day, mate. Can I borrow your Hoover? No one asked for a Hoover. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, it didn't make sense to me that. I'm going I'm to have to watch it back because I'm dating myself now, but I'm sure everyone is Australian and it makes naff all sense.
0: Gerard Butler is in this film, isn't he? A young Gerard Butler, fresh-faced.
1: With his shirt on.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's good, isn't he? And his, his death is what provides additional motivation for Christian Bale in the end. He gets burned to death. There's a very quick scene where he's got a woman sat on his lap who doesn't speak before he goes off to talk to Christian Bale. He gets shouted, gets summoned to talk to Christian Bale. And I thought, I wonder if they've inserted that in to inform audiences that Christian Bale and Jai Butler are not a couple. Some awful studio exec said, these two aren't gay, are they? We can't have that. And someone said, oh, well, let's just put a woman on his lap and film that.
1: that. I couldn't well imagine that being the case, to be fair. But sad times, we're in a different era now. Eh? None of that going on.
0: And I bring well, I, I bring that up because in the Red Letter Media review of Star Trek, there's this whole section where he says, everyone has a case of the no gays. And he breaks it down and how they have something to establish that every character is not gay. Just <laughs> very... Nasty stuff.
1: I'll be watching that through different goggles whenever that may be. I have quite like the first Star Trek film. Anyway, that's not what we were talking about. Reign of Fire. Would you recommend it? I would recommend it. Yeah. Likewise, but not for the £8.99 fee that you'll have to pay to watch it on Amazon. Wait for it to arrive for free, which it will surely do in years to come. So let's discuss the same plot yet again with a bit of a different skew with The Tomorrow War
0: like to order an opinion please. This film is new fresh point of view. me sit back, this is a fact. we in the aisles. Here are some hours. Thoughts in sync. Tell you what to think. I'll listen to you but please don't rap again.
1: Chris Pratt's latest new feature film bypasses cinemas completely. Here's a bit of a tester of what you can expect from The Tomorrow War.
0: We are fighting a war. 30 years in the future. Our enemy is not human. Family Man is drafted to fight in a future war where the fate of humanity relies on his ability to confront the past.
1: James, what did you think of The Tomorrow War?
0: Nice to come into a sci-fi film, big budget sci-fi film, that is original, not connected to any franchise, not based on anything. Someone's written a film and someone said, oh, I'll make that. So that was refreshing premise is fantastic it opens very strongly with the scene from the trailer which is the future soldiers coming through the wormhole into the world cup so all the signs were positive but even early on there's a lot of the family stuff i'm a family man and i'm doing totally believable natural interactions with my daughter who would make noises at each other such a long time until he gets through the wormhole, like 30, 35 minutes to get him in compared to something like rain of fire, where you're in relatively quickly, 35 minutes, getting to the wormhole too long, too much detail on the family stuff. So it's, it's shaky. It's an action film. It's a fun action, sci-fi film. Well, what about that action? There is a lot of shooting at the aliens and the aliens look great. And it's all shot very well. But if you look at the action that you're seeing on screen, you're mainly watching soldiers emptying automatic weapons into things. Into the abyss. Into the abyss, yeah. And for me, that wasn't engaging as action. So I've talked about Ruroni Kenshin here and talked about Rurouni Kenshin earlier. And that has very inventive, inci- exciting action to watch. What you're getting on screen here is you're watching people shoot guns and there are stunts within that, but I didn't find it very engaging in terms of what are people actually doing? What are the action beats here? Many reviews have said that it's derivative. I suppose it is. We've seen alien invasion stuff before. It's very similar to Edge of Tomorrow, Live, Die, Repeat with Tom Cruise, which is a desperate alien invasion. It's the last stand. We're at the very end of the fight. What do we do? Great film. Great film. Excellent film. And there's time travel stuff in there, but it's done very, very differently. So it's derivative, but it can redeem that by being original and doing something different with it. I don't think that it does. sorry. I don't think that it does. Similar films exist that are better. Acting. Chris Pratt, who's also executive producer, I think he's stretching to be more of a rounded Tom Cruise style action star. We all live him in Guardians of the Galaxy, but I don't think he leads the charge quite well enough. Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible say he has that intangible charisma and balancing the serious action side with the occasional light-heartedness but here it's like chris pratt he's mainly light-hearted and then when he has to be serious it doesn't quite feel right sorry still love him still love star lord yvonne strahovsky she's good in it as well she's she's good good character and what a person that i like the most was sam richardson the comedy relief the comic relief which is usually the most annoying thing I thought he was the best thing in in the whole film. I loved his one-liners. His delivery is fantastic. He's also in Promising Young Woman, just doing this very quickly delivered, cowardly things. So overall, fun, dumb action. If you like sci-fi and you like Chris Pratt, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. I enjoyed parts of it. I'm still on the fence on what we're going to say at the end of this review. So I'd love to hear. Daniel, what did you think of The Tomorrow War?
1: So the first I heard of this film was when you told me we were reviewing it this week, which was last week. And yeah, no knowledge prior to coming into this. Then obviously I've done a bit of digging, I've done some reading and I found out that I think this is one of the most expensive films to just purely go to streaming since we've had the coronavirus. They've not chosen, despite theatres to be open, they've not gone down that route. Amazon purchased this, I think, for a rent. 200 million, and I thought, surely, budget on top of that, this is going to be a great film. Why would you spend so much on a streaming only film? So, yeah, very, very high expectations, really. Going in, and I'm similar to you, I think, to just cut to the chase. It's okay, some of the action is passable, it was exciting at points, but the thing is, it is, as you said, just people shooting at aliens for nearly two hours, um, if not over actually it's two hours, 20 minutes in it. And that's part of the problem. I think it's too long. And I became a bit desensitized to the whole thing after I'd seen the white spikes, which are the aliens in this, a few times. I was just numb to it. It, it. They look very good. I think you drew attention to that. The creature design is quite effective. And that's hard to do, really, when you've seen aliens in literally hundreds and hundreds of films. These look a bit fresh and terrifying. I I, I did like the design. But yeah, I just... I'm going to say a caveat to this. I watched this film in my living room, in my kitchen, in my car, on top of a bin. Um, I travelled round with my phone consuming this film in bite-sized chunks all over my house and beyond. So that might have impacted... (laughs) my enjoyment of it a bit, but I just felt at the end that it was a bit of a waste of my time. It didn't bring anything new to this genre. I've seen it all before and it was very by the numbers, I suppose you could say. Chris Pratt, I'm in agreement with you on that as well. I really like him as an actor. I think he is charismatic, but this feels like just a mashup of his Guardians of the Galaxy character and his Jurassic Park character combined it's just somewhere in the middle and it doesn't really provide anything new i'm not angry i'm just disappointed i suppose because it feels quite vacuous and, and and empty from an emotional point of view the the story warrants it having a soul and a gut punch to it but it didn't have one at all for me um so I'm just left a little bit, I've described a film in this way before, but overall, my feelings were meh.
0: I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. You've made me more confident about my negative feelings toward it, if you've had that reaction. It was quite desensitising to see that much action early on. Similar actually to Fast and Furious, where Fast and Furious opens with a huge action scene with cars being chased by a helicopter they jump off the cliff. There's a tarzan swing with a car and you think how are they going to top this and they do top that they do Mm. top that whereas here it opens with a pretty intense really nice like rescue extraction escape sequence like escaping from the exploding town a really nice oil rig siege but the climax is there's a smaller scene so it doesn't escalate which can be fine sometimes, like in Predator with Al Pacino. That's like an inverse of the escalation where it gets m- smaller and smaller, or in Casino Royale. But by the time I got to end, I was I was tired, and they'd already given all the big stuff away. And we've mentioned a little bit about the daughter and the father. I think they set up the father relationship, as in Chris Pratt's relationship with J.K. Simmons, his father, and Chris Pratt's relationship with the daughter. They set it up in the first act in a clinical generic way to where you know they're setting something up and then when the payoffs come what the payoffs are is quite predictable and i think that's why it doesn't hit because it's set up in quite a sterile way
1: yeah nice to see chloe from 24 pop up in a throw it away role but (laughs) i appreciated knowing she was still alive and working that was good
0: yeah that was good. I popped for that as well. Playing the same character, the, the overthinking, slightly more intelligent than everyone else, but too socially awkward to really make good use of it. kind of thing. And I was gutted when she died.
1: Yeah. Shame. Shame.
0: I suppose she only means something to X 24 fans and to the makers of the film, she was just a disposable.
1: The majority of this listening audience will not know who we're referring to.
0: <laughs> and that's fine bringing rain of fire back in we talked a little bit in that about how they use the dragon sparingly they build tension a lot a lot of smoke a lot of darkness here we learned that what the aliens look like is being kept from the general public in the past because it's too horrifying when chris pratt makes his first journey to the future it builds them up and what i felt They did. It builds them up, and then it just shows them. Yep, there they are. It shows them daylight. Here's what they look like. Full-body shots, lots of them close-up. Completely gives it away in the first confrontation. So that contrast, having watched Rain of Fire, was very interesting to see. They were like, get the aliens fully on screen as quickly as possible. What did you think?
1: Similar. It it was just overly used, I think, because that initial encounter in the multi-story staircase... That was quite intense. And I thought, oh, God, I really feel for these characters in a really closely confined space and they're getting attacked. Oh, this is quite terrifying. But I'm not given a breather from that to then encounter them again. It's literally straight after, and you've got hundreds of them descending upon this crew. And I just thought, okay, fair enough. I was down with it for that point, but I think we get 20 minutes in and then I've just probably witnessed a thousand more aliens, and they just didn't have that threat level that they had when I first saw them. Um, and and like, like like we said before, I just felt a bit desensitised to the whole thing. Overly yeah. used.
0: There's three major action scenes with loads of them. By the time you get to the third one, you think, well, I've seen you kind of deal with them twice, so what's the problem? And not to get into the habit of saying how they can improve things but in that first scene where they encounter them in the multi-story staircase thing. Why not have that at night and you don't really see them fully Mm. and people are terrified by the glimpses that they have seen. And you're thinking as well, like, Oh my God, what do these things look like? They must be terrible. How bad is it going to be when we see them fully build it up that way? But they didn't do that.
1: Yeah. If I was the director, I'd be making notes right now, because I agree. I think that would have been far better. But hey-ho, never mind.
0: This film has only been out for two days, and there is a severe critic-audience divide. 52% Rotten Tomatoes critic score, 81% audience. And a lot of the YouTube stuff that I've glanced at has given it positive reviews but critics not happy with how derivative and forgettable it is so this is a high high stakes review for us which side are we going to come down on james would you recommend the tomorrow the problem i've got here is that i said yes for army of the dead which was also on netflix and i said yeah it's done fun it's on netflix just go for it which I've regretted ever since. So I'm going to go with my reaction to this film and say, no, no, I would not recommend The Tomorrow War. Daniel, would you recommend The Tomorrow War on Amazon Prime?
1: Obviously, I fall into that category as well. I recommended The Army of the Dead and I'm regretting it ever since. I don't want to repeat history. I don't think I'll be remembering this film a week from now. It really left No imprint on me whatsoever. Um, So much so that I'm struggling to recall bits of it now and I have very little to say. So on that basis, a big fat no.
0: Okay, let's go into spoilers. Bruce Willis. Real name is Tyler Durden. Sank at the end. Oh, thanks a lot. Spoilers. The trailer gives you so much here, I think. The time travellers gate crash or wormhole crash, the World Cup. Chris Pratt goes into the future to fight the aliens. The largest action scene is in the trailer where the aliens attack this oil rig type fortress where they're developing a toxin that will kill the aliens. But in the end, twist, Chris Pratt goes back to his own time, 2022, and realizes, ah, it wasn't an invasion. They were here all along. And because of the melting ice these aliens were revealed and defrosted so they visit these buried aliens in the ice and kill them in a much smaller action scene in a one-on-one fight it was how it ends with one alien mother and chris Pratt and his and his father and they save the day
1: anticlimactic isn't it
0: yeah which is what i was referring to how you you go bigger and bigger and bigger in the action then it goes small, and maybe they thought, "Oh, we'll do it." It's more emotional in the end. It's more emotional with the father saying, "I'm proud of you, son. I'm sorry." But it didn't it didn't land for me. No, hundred
1: percent. And I've got a few things I've got nitpicks with, and it's annoying because I'll say it probably an hour into this. I hadn't. I'm not saying I was positive on it. I'm sure that came across really in what we said, but I didn't have anything to poke holes in. I wasn't like, this is a mess, it's falling apart, it's plot holes galore. It wasn't, but I feel like the third act really lets itself down and does present a lot of problems because might be my understanding of the film because I said I've consumed it weirdly um, and in bite-sized chunks, but we get to this point where they destroy the jump link after this inversion. Chris Pratt's daughter dies. That should really carry a lot of emotional weight. It didn't. Nice shot, though as she falls to a death. I thought that was that was very nicely shot. But I'm sat there thinking when he returns home to his wife and has to explain how he's, he's seen the future death of his own daughter, it's all pretty fruitless and life is now meaningless. No, it's not because he still has this green vial, right? And regardless of where the film then progresses, if he has this green vial that will serve humanity when the inversion presents itself in the future, They're well-equipped to handle it because of what he's got. Am I wrong in saying that?
0: No, you're not wrong. That's absolutely right.
1: Yeah. So it didn't make any sense at all. And the other thing is when we get to that point, which I thought was quite neat, actually, I like the fact that, oh, they didn't just descend upon the Earth. They've been there all along inhabiting Earth. I thought that was quite nice. They find out about it by asking one of Chris Pratt's students, who is a volcano expert, bit of a niche question, but Google it. Do you know what I mean? Why are you asking this kid? That was just lazy and didn't make any sense to me whatsoever.
0: Yeah, definitely just Google it. And it was set up in the start, wasn't it, with one line. Oh, this kid's going to talk about volcanoes. He likes volcanoes. And then when he meets the Sam Richardson character, Sam Richardson said, I'm a geologist. I like geology. Remember that for later, because I'm into geology. And when they did ask the volcano kid, they asked him in class, in front of everyone, which made for a nice scene, but it didn't really make any sense. As didn't if was... you
1: put a child under that much pressure in front of his classmates. The fate of humanity is within your hands. If you answer wrong, we're all going to die. Not on. Too much for a kid, that.
0: And then how his father, Chris Pratt's father, because he's living off the grid, he also knows how to fly to Russia undetected.
1: Yeah. Another thing I had a problem with, actually, Chris Pratt's daughter dies. He returns... Back to the present. The whole thing about this jump like thing is they are picked up, teleported, and then just drop wherever it might be in the future. The first time that's used, there's a big song and dance made about the fact that there's an error when they're transporting them, and loads of people, rather than landing in a safe place, hit the edges of buildings and whatever it might be and die. Chris Pratt, fortunately, lands in a pool. Very good but the height from which they're dropping chris pratt hits the floor the second time that's done and i'm like i saw how far you fell there is no way you would live and i had a real issue with that it didn't make any
0: sense to me it didn't it didn't just because you land in water doesn't mean there's no impact that like if you fall from that height even if you fall into the sea like you're dead because there's there's too much impact and then people fall straight on top of him <laughs> with no real slowing down because of the water. So they would kill him as well. And then there's there's people lying next to the pool and they're just injured. And I'm not sure whether they've survived the drop or whether they've been taken out of the pool. Like everyone's just landing in, in this pool. Like if you're going to do that and then just ignore it, don't even bother dropping them in the sky. Just say, oh, there's a group of people that have been dropped somewhere else.
1: bit lazy, wasn't it?
0: talked about interesting concepts at the start. So here the time travel thing is that they built the time machine in a rush and it can only go 30 years back and forth. So there's that limit to it. They've not had the time to develop it more than that. And when you do go into the future, there's a seven day countdown and you have to go back after seven days, you're forced to go back, which is what happens. Like Chris Pratt dramatically goes back as he's watching his wife die in a scene very similar to Edge of Tomorrow where the residual shock of what's just happened is still affecting him when he wakes up again. That was a good idea. Would have liked to see it done more. There's this idea that people go on tours of duty where they have a week in the future and then they come back again. If you're gonna do two hours and 20 minutes, then have Chris Pratt do a week away and then come back. And he's like, I've seen all these things. I have to go back. What's happened to something's happening now. It's had like in their time, in the future it's happening now and when I go back again things will have progressed like what if my future daughter is dead I have I have to go back because when he goes back exactly 30 years events will have progressed in the future if you know what I mean so that's that sounds really interesting doesn't happen he just travels to the future once and then travels back
1: yeah a lot of wasted opportunities I think with this and I think we've I'm not going to say we've been unnecessarily harsh but there's some good stuff here. And this director, I think he's largely known for animation, isn't he, a lot of the Lego films. For So for a first, I believe, live action film, I think there's some good stuff to work with here. He's just made some poor decisions. And I do hold out hope that he will learn from that. And I think we'll see some really good stuff from him in the future, because there's there's ingredients here which should amalgamate in a good film. It's not what we got but I think he's capable of it.
0: Maybe we are being harsh, but this was a $200 million film that was going to be released in cinemas, so it's, it's a real it's a real film. So it, expectations were high. Expectations were high, and I've, I'm disappointed.
1: Likewise. Right, another one bites the dust. What are we obliterating next week?
0: Scarlett Johansson in Black Widow.
1: Right. I, I am sure this cannot let us down. It's got to be good. It has to, it has to be. Otherwise, this podcast will end. I'm going to put it out there. <laughs> if Black Widow is dead, this will be the end of the podcast. Right. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to leave us any feedback, you can do so by emailing us at intheislespodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at podcast. Leave us five-star review and rating on iTunes. Apple, whatever you want to call it. It really does help boost us up the charts. Thank you for your continued devotion to us. Bye.
0: Bye.